All right, how many of you have already heard that song more than you probably thought you need to hear it? <laughs> True story, I heard that song being played in October in Pastor Jeff Carlisle's office. I'm not lying. That guy loves him some Bing Crosby. We're getting him counseling, but you know, it's Jeff. It is so funny, that song is so meaningful to so many people, and it's lasted so many years. You know, that, that right there, for those of you who love these Christmas specials with all these new groups and stuff, Bing Crosby, that, he started all that stuff. And, and he talks about this feeling of Christmas, of getting Christmas cards and hoping that there's snow and, and, and this idea of peace. It just so resonates in the soul of, of humanity because that's what we desire. We desire peace. God hardwired us to have peace. We, we need peace. And so today we've, we've lit the second Christmas candle. And so you know the first one was the candle of love. And now the second candle has been lit. It is the candle of peace. And as we walk through this Advent season, this year we're, we're going to light each candle. And each candle this year, it has a, a different name for that. Last, last week it was love. This week it'll be peace. And we're going to go joy and light. And then, now hope and light. And then the end is, is light. And that's going to be on Christmas Eve. But today we're going to talk about peace. And there's a powerful connection between the, the, the idea and the desire for peace and Christmas. You may have heard about this. It's, it's a true story in, in history. In, in 1914, we were in a, the world was in a war, and it was World War I. And the Germans were fighting against the British on the, on the Western Front. And on Christmas Eve, the soldiers were fighting, but as the night began to draw, uh, the, the, the firing stopped, and the British soldiers began to hear the Germans singing Silent Night. And at first, they were making fun of them and, and just kind of mocking them. But, but soon, uh, they began to sing other songs, and the British soldiers began to join in. And as morning dawned, after having sung that night, the, the, the German soldiers lifted up hands and waved to the, to the British soldiers. And it, the craziest thing happened on Christmas Day, 1914. These two enemies left their bunkers and came out in no man's land in the field of battle and talked with one another and laughed and shared pictures of one another's family. They even played soccer. These guys on Christmas Day experienced peace. Now, sadly, the next day the war resumed and they began to kill one another all over again. But for that moment, on Christmas Day, there was peace. Why? Why? Why indeed? Because we're hardwired for peace. We desire peace. We long for peace. And we know that because God has come for those of us who believe, we know that there is that peace is possible. See, Christmas reminds us of the peace that God promised, provides, and one day will produce. The peace of God, friends, hear me, it's more than a feeling. It's a reality. It's something that you can experience. It's something that you can have. And in our text today, we hear the announcement of this peace that is coming, that has come through the voice of angels talking to shepherds by night. And as we look at this today, we want to see this as a fulfillment of the promise of God. And we want to give consideration to how you and I, in our real-life world, with all the troubles, with all the trials, with all the pain, with all the sin, with all the darkness, we can have Real peace. 
If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, take them out and turn with me now to Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to ask the Taylors to come up, and they're going to provide our reading for today. We're in Luke chapter 2, and they're going to read for us verses 11 through 14. If you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. There's one in the rack right in front of you. Just take it. And if you don't own a Bible, just take that one home with you. We'll replace it. Let's all stand together now, and, and uh, let's honor the reading of God's Word Alan, introduce your family to us. Who do we have here? Sure. This is my wife, Michelle. I'm Alan, and this is our daughter, Casey. Uh, And actually, Michelle and I will be celebrating our 20th anniversary this January. All right. Congratulations. You didn't know he was going to get a... That's your (laughs) present. Merry Christmas. Expect nothing more. (laughs) Well, let's look at God's Word together. We're in Luke chapter 2. You're going to read for us the verses 11 through 14. Now, this is the, the voice of the angel speaking to the shepherds. Okay. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those who with, him, with whom he is pleased. The word of God. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Taylor. If you would go ahead and be seated. What we're reading here is something most of us, some of us, are familiar with. If you've ever watched the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special, you've, you've heard those words, and maybe that's how you are somewhat familiar with what is being said here. But please don't forget that this moment that this angel is proclaiming is something that was promised by God thousands of years before Jesus was born. This coming of Christ, this coming of God in flesh was, was not a happen chance. It wasn't plan B. This is what God determined before the creation of time and space, that God would enter into his creation and redeem a people for himself. There are so many spots that we could look at. My, my favorite is, is found in, in, the, in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9. Look at what this says in verse 6. This is, this is amazing. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The prophecy speaks of a human being who will be born from the womb of a woman. This is, this is a normal person. This is a son. This is a baby. This is a child. But, but look what will happen. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And look at what his name is. Look at the name of this human being. First one, Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful, Glorious Counselor. Mighty God. A human being who is Mighty God. He is a wonderful counselor that comes alongside and blesses his people, but he is mighty God. He is a child who is everlasting Father. Friends, this prophecy is telling us that God is going to become flesh, that God is going to be incarnate, that that God is going to be in human form. And what will he be to us? The last one, say it out loud with me, the Prince of peace. He comes to bring peace. He comes to make us whole. He comes with shalom. He comes with this goodness that goes beyond anything we could ever buy or produce or create within ourselves. 
This is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is what God came to do. He came to create peace between us and Him. Listen, we couldn't get to God. God was holy. He was in heaven. We are sinful. We are separated from God. And so what did God do? He came to us. And I know what the rest of the world religions say. I know all other religions in the world say, no, 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 God is is high on His mountain and and we must earn our way to Him. We must do the, the good acts, the good works to merit our ability to get access and, and to get to God. Friends, you and I cannot do that. We are fallen and we are sinful and God is holy and He is perfect and no darkness can dwell in that light. No sin can enter into His presence. And so because we could not get to God, God came to us. What we celebrate at Christmas is the coming of God in flesh to rescue us and to produce peace. Peace between us and God. I love Ephesians chapter 2, this beautiful picture of the Gospel. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off, and then we all are born far off from God, We're separated by an eternity of sin. See, when you and I sin, when we commit treason against God, and that's what every sin is, it is sin against a holy, eternal God. And so the consequences are a chasm of eternal consequences. All of eternity separates us from God because our sin, our sin is against an eternal God. And so the consequence is eternal. So we are far off. We were far off. But we've been brought near into the heart of God and God in our own hearts. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. How? For He Himself is our peace. Christ is our peace. When you have Christ, you have peace. If you do not have Christ, you do not have peace. Because when you have peace with Christ, you gain peace with God. Say, so how does this work? You know, how does this Christianity thing work? What is this we celebrate? What we're understanding, what we've got to understand is the fact that without Christ, there can be no peace because without Christ and His sacrifice for our sin, we're separated from God. We're enemies of God. We're at war with God. But by His grace, God has come. And God has paid the penalty for our sin. And now Christ is our peace. And here's what's so powerful. Here's what's so amazing. When you gain peace with God and you know that when Jesus died on the cross, He paid for your sin and your sin is forgiven, because you have peace with God and God has forgiven you, here's what's so good. And this is this, some of you need this. Merry Christmas. Here it is. Best gift you're probably going to get all year this year. Because God has forgiven you, you can forgive you. And you don't have to be ashamed anymore. And you don't have to hide it anymore. And when the enemy accuses you and said, yes, but you've done this and you've done this and you've done this, and you can say, yes, and more. But by the grace of God, I am forgiven. My sin is forgiven. And God has forgiven me and I forgive me. And something awesome happens. So imagine this. Some of you can't imagine this, but try. Try to imagine this. Peace with God, completely forgiven. Heaven is your future home. God is with you. He is your Emmanuel. And He is giving you His peace. You have peace within. 
because you've forgiven yourself. You have peace with God. You have peace within. And now you can say to anyone who offends you or who has hurt you, you can now forgive them and you can have peace with them. You say, but you don't know what they did to me. I don't. But God does. And what they did to you is not dissimilar to what you and I did with God. We rejected Him. We dishonored Him. We turned our backs on Him. And here's what's so powerful about the grace of God. When you have forgiveness from God and forgiveness for yourself, you can forgive others. And when you can forgive others and you have peace with God, peace within and peace with others, you can go through any circumstance and you can have complete peace. Don't you want that? Isn't that what you long for? This is what God has come to give. And as we look at this text today, that is what we're going to see. So I'm going to pray. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit of God to right now, I want to invite Him to show us this truth that we might be free. Pray with me. Father God, this is Your holy Word. And God, I, I am so far short of being able to explain this properly. But Lord, we need this truth. We need You. You are peace. You are the only way we can have peace. So give me utterance and give us understanding that we might believe and there may be peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we have peace with God, we can have peace. So how is it that we gain this peace? The peace of God, make note of this, is given. It's given first to those who are far from God. And that needs to be good news because I don't know what some of you feel like now, but I remember when I, what I felt before I became a follower of Jesus is I was far from God. And I felt far from God. And, and we no longer have to feel that way. And, and, and we know that. We know that God comes to bring peace to the far from God because of who the message of Christmas was first reported to. Look in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. Look who it is the angel went to. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. So who is it that the, that, that the angel first reported to? Who, who came? Who did he go to? Say it out loud. They were shepherds. Interesting thing about shepherds during this time and day, they were outsiders. They were loners. They spent the majority of their lives by themselves with dirty animals. As a matter of fact, the religious professionals considered them unclean. They rarely made it to temple. They rarely made, made it where they could become purified by the religious uh, rites of passage that, that were offered. And so many people turned their noses down at them, did not want to be around shepherds. They were outsiders. They were the ones who, who least uh, received any kind of honor or, or glory, but they were the ones who needed love the most. And you know, God has such a soft spot for people who deserve it the least but need it the most. You read your Bible through and you will find over and over again God loving the least of these. One of those was a guy I identify with. His name was Saul. If you read in Acts chapter 9, the story about a man who was, who was doing evil even though he thought it was good. And it's so sad and such a terrible thing when people who, who say that they are serving God destroy the church. 
and, and, and speak ill of church leaders and, and create division and divisiveness. And it happens all the time. And I pray all the time, God, keep me from the foolishness of being divisive within your congregation, within your church. Because it's easy to become critical. And it's easy to be divisive. And it's easy to create problems. And that's what Saul was doing. And in Acts chapter 9, God interrupted his life and showed up. And Jesus revealed His glory and His goodness. And Saul was transformed. I love Saul's testimony as recorded in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He's writing to his protege, Timothy. Paul sharing his testimony. Look what he says about himself in verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save, say it out loud when we need to save, sinners. And then he said, of whom I am the foremost, I'm the worst. We all feel that way. When we come into contact with the greatness of God, we all feel like there can be no sinner worse than me. And I want to tell you, that's not a wrong feeling. That's right. Because when you see God in all of His holiness and His greatness, you can't help but feel small and dirty. But friends, when you gladly admit your need for Christ, and ask Him to forgive you, and ask Him to take over your life, He does. And in that moment, you are no longer small, and you are no longer dirty. You are now the child of the living God, forgiven in part and covered in the righteousness of Christ, and peace is yours. God gives peace to those who are far from Him. Secondly, the peace of God is given to those who need good news. Oh boy, did they need good news, but my goodness, do we need good news. Look in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The world of those shepherds was a world that needed good news. Their world was one where their government system was against the spiritual life that gives hope. They were under Roman rule. And even King Herod himself was a hypocrite and cared nothing about the truth of God. He spoke of God as though he cared about God, as though he knew God, but he was far from God. He was a murderer. He cared nothing about his people. And here these shepherds were, living in this world under Roman rule that was teaching them to turn away from God, encouraging them to turn away from their God, and being ruled by a leader who cared nothing for them. And their religious system, it was dry and cold and institutional. Those who were supposed to be kind, warm shepherds leading them to hope were often power-hungry people only seeking economic gain. They wanted the seats of power. They, they wanted to be on television and sit in gold chairs and tell people how great things were and how they should give them money and be a part of the good things that God was doing so that they could be a part of their system. And the economic system these shepherds were in was, was atrocious. The poor were made poor, and they were hurt by the rich. And the rich got richer, which made them even more selfish and mean, which means it was a culture of suffering. The rich were in pain because they were afraid of losing their riches, and they were mean because they were selfish. And the poor were angry because they were overcome with the, with the necessities of life being kept from them. And there was a struggle all the way through. So here's a world 
where the government is opposed to their faith, where there's often cold institutionalism, where there should be the warmth of God, and where there's economic pain and suffering. Does that remind you of a world you know of? The more things change, the more they stay the same. But it was in this world that the angel said, check it out, guys, I bring good news. Because there is one who was promised who has come. And he is the Prince of Peace. He has come, God in the flesh. He's over in the manger down the street. And this is the proof. When you get there, you'll see there is a baby. And I want you to know that this one is God. And he has come. And here's the good news, friends. It tells us, first of all, that God has not forgotten us. I don't know what you're going through today, and I know that you feel like no one else in the world cares. And you know what? There may be other people who don't care, but here's what I want you to know. God cares. He knows exactly what you're going through. And He cares. Second thing, God has a plan. God has a plan for what you're going through. The coming of Christ tells us that our God is a sovereign God. And that He is at work in the world. He's not abandoned us. And He has a plan to rescue and redeem and to restore. And He's going to transform our lives. Now listen. We're going to talk about this in just a moment. There's going to come a time when He's going to transform everything. But you need to know that part of having the peace of God is not that God is going to transform the world in which you live, but that He's going to transform you so that you can make it through the world in which we live. There's a power in this peace. There's a power in the presence of God. And this is a part of His plan as you go through trials and suffering. And, and this peace, you got to understand, it doesn't come to those who, who simply come to church. It doesn't come to those who have good intentions. It comes to those who believe. It comes to those who say, God, I believe You've come for me. I believe you've not abandoned me. I believe that you love me. I believe you have a plan. I will submit my life to you. I will honor you. I will live in your peace. I will choose this. This is the peace that God gives. That is how God gives this peace. Now, the peace of God is given through those who honor God. Look who this message came through. I love verse 13. This is when I wish there was Instagram in the day of Jesus, right? How cool if somebody could have taken out a smartphone and just, just, just a couple of pictures, right? Not even in focus, but just pictures of this scene. Look at this scene in verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, can you imagine this? These individuals, these are just praising God. Can you imagine the light? Can you imagine the beauty? This is, this is what the church is supposed to look like. It's supposed to be this place of light where there's love and there's hope and there's healing. And it exists not because the people are so great. No, 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 no. Listen, we're all a bunch of hypocrites. Good news, we got room for more. Why is the church a place of healing and hope? One reason. Because of the greatness of God. The greatness of a church's God will determine the healing and the hope that that church exudes. What is true of a church, hear me, is also true of a life. You know what your problem and my problem, our biggest problem is? I, I've, I've thought on this. I'm absolutely convinced of this. 
Our greatest problem is that we think too little of God. See, when you think little of God, you have weak, irrelevant worship. When your God in your mind and your heart is weak and irrelevant, so is your worship, so is your devotion, so is your life. Your life is only as strong as your God. When you see God for who He really is, and His power and His majesty, the way these angels understood who God was, you will shine bright, you will bring glory, and you will say, God, there is nothing I would keep from you. You are worthy. You are mighty. You are powerful. I can trust you. Here is my life. I give it to you. I glorify you. Is that how you were worshiping God today? Is that how you were singing praise to Him? Is that how you're thinking about Him now? God, there is no God like You. You are the Almighty. There is nothing You cannot do. You love me. Your grace and Your power and Your majesty is beyond my mind. I praise You, God. Is that Your heart? For many, it's not. For many of us, we want to discount God. We want a God on sale. We want the full God. We just want Him to be a little cheaper. I don't know if you participate in Black Friday that day after Thanksgiving, but it's a rough crowd. Women committed to saving money are dangerous people. I remember a few years ago, Carrie and I braved that together. We weren't up with the sun, but we were up earlier than I wanted to be. And... I remember we divided to conquer, and she went shopping, and I went to a coffee shop to pray. <laughs> and while we were, I was in line, uh, some guys, clearly, they did not know what was going on. It was an older gentleman that clearly met there for coffee every day, and, and they got in line, and the guy said, what in the world is going on? And, and they started talking, and so I got involved in the conversation and said, well, today is this thing, you know, everyone's trying to like. Well, man, this is no good at all. We're here all the time. What are these people showing up for? I said, exactly, right? And then I just thought, you know what? What we desire is a deal. We, we all like a deal. And what we want is we want the full thing at a discount price. And I just think, oh, that's so true spiritually, isn't it? We want God at a discount price. We don't want to have to give Him our whole life. We don't want to submit our entire self to Him, but we still want full 100% peace. And we still want full 100% salvation and hope and joy and all the other things that our soul longs for. But here's, friends, here's what you need to understand. God never goes on sale. He is high and exalted and grand and glorious. And here's what's crazy. He loves us. And He wants to fill us with His glorious presence. But the only way that can happen is in the exchange. There's an exchange rate for this peace. God has given Himself fully to us. And the only way we can gain the peace that He gives is by to fully give ourselves to Him. Now here's what I know about some of you who claim to be Christians. The only thing you've given God up to this point is your sin. You said, God, here's my sin. Forgive me. I'm going to hold on to the rest of it. 
I'm going to hold on to all the decision making. I'm going to hold on to the money. I'm going to hold on to my time. I'm going to hold on to the energy. I'm going to hold on to everything else. But here's my sin. Now, can I have all your peace and all the other promises that you that you offer in, in Scripture? Friends, the reason why some of you don't have peace and the reason why you don't have confidence and the reason why you're not filled with hope and the reason why God is not as great to you as He was to those angels tonight is because you're holding out on God. It's not because God is holding out on you. He has revealed and given Himself. And He expects us to honor Him, to give ourselves to Him. Now, notice again who this peace is for. This, this Scripture, you've got you to gotta see what the Scripture actually says and not what is sometimes written on Christmas cards. Write this down. The peace of God is given for those who God is pleased with. Now, this is a, a very careful and accurate translation of this verse 14. This is ESV. Let's read it. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. So who is it that gains peace? Among those with whom He is pleased. Those whom He is pleased with. They are the ones who gain, who gain His peace. So the question then becomes, how do I please God? There's only one way. Hebrews 11, verse 6 explains there's one way to please God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So what does faith do? It believes that God exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Faith is choosing the narrow path and trusting that God's blessings come when I choose to follow His way. I don't know what was going on in Bowling Green on Friday, but I had to get from my office to the downtown post office to get a passport, and it took forever. I don't know what's going on, but it needs to stop. If you're responsible for it, quit. I'm going downtown. I couldn't believe the traffic. Some of you must do this all the time. I can understand why some of you are a little hot-tempered. I forgive you. Because I'm telling you, it was a mess. And the whole time, I keep thinking, surely there's a bypass. Surely there's a way I can bypass all this stuff and get to where I need to get my passport. And, and I was watching these cars take these up. Everything was clogged. And I began to pray, like, Lord, I really need to get this. I need to get this done. i got other things to do. And as I sat there, I thought, oh my, is this not the spiritual life? I want to get to the city where I gain a passport that will get me passage to a faraway land. But I've got to go this narrow path where there's going to be trials and red lights and all kinds of angry people along the way. This is the life of faith. It's the life that says, you know what? I can't bypass life. Faith is, is not given to me so that I can get out a you know, real life card. And it's certainly not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's a narrow path where we walk trusting God's plan. And whatever red lights we run into, whatever problem people there are, whatever circumstances, we stay on that narrow path. Because wide is the road, and, and many are they who go that lead to destruction. But the narrow path 
leads to this place where we gain passport into the eternal presence of God. And the only way you can do that is by faith. By trusting in God. And it's when you know you're on that narrow way that your peace becomes real. Here's what stinks for some of you. You don't have peace and you're on the wide road. See, because what the world's been selling to you and what you've been buying, it's not turning out because, see, sin, it always, it always costs you more than you wanted to pay. It never gives what it promises. And it always creates more, more pain than you can imagine. The narrow way, the narrow way, when you're walking the narrow way by faith, you know everything that comes to you is a part of God's plan. And you know that God is going to be with you every step of the way. He's your Emmanuel. And there is peace. And this peace I've talked to you up to this point is a peace that is real. It's a peace that is yours. But there's another peace. Don't miss this. Write it down. The personal peace we have, we have now was promised. But ultimate peace was promised as well. Ultimate peace. Final peace. It will come at the second coming of Christ. We began by looking at Isaiah 9, verse 6. Let's look at Isaiah 9, verses 7 and 8, and let's look at what it says. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There is still going to come a day when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And it will be for those who walk the narrow path, who get that passport that will take us to that place where the Lord God will reign forever. And so now we are looking forward to Christmas. And we're dreaming of a white Christmas. And we're hoping to, to be with family. And, and we're, with every Christmas card we write and receive, we're, we're hopeful of a beautiful experience that will bring glad tidings. Just as we are longing for that single day, so we who have peace with God now look forward to that glorious day when the Lord will return. And all things will be made new. And sin will be vanquished. And we will be with God and He will reign forever and ever. Amen. Here's the good news, friends. Not only will we have eternal peace, but in this life right now, we can have peace. We can have peace with God, which allows us to have peace within, which allows us to have peace with others, which allows us to have peace in any circumstance. So I'm wondering this morning, do you need peace? God will give it to you if you will ask. What do you need from God today? Some of you, your need is to just give God your whole life. Some of you have done that, but your need is for God to give you strength, for God to give you confidence, for God to give you a vision of Himself that reminds you of His greatness so that you can go forward with peace. Some of you, your heart is troubled because of a family member or a friend who doesn't have peace with God. And right now, you need to come and you need to pray that God will grant them peace because it will give you peace. But we need the Lord. We need Him. Only He can do it. So let's stand together. Let's pray.
Father God, right now as we sing this confession stating our need for You, I pray that there will be some who will come and get on their knees before You and say, God, I come and I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And Lord, as they turn over to You their life or a person or a circumstance or a need, Lord, I pray that You will bless them as they commit themselves to the narrow path that leads to that that glorious home where we gain passport with, with You forever. Hear the prayers of Your people as they come now. And hear the prayers of Your people as we confess our need for You now. In Jesus' name, Amen.